Bonjour, hi, welcome inside episode 14 of Lay Beer Leaguers. Jacob Kahn with you, Mitch Tierney. What's going on, dude? Got the uh, DJ intro going there. Yeah, I know. I want to switch it to like a kind of space jammy vibe, but I, I like the heavy rock intro we have going on. Uh, next time I'll go for, you know, the I'm glad to hear you have it uh, memorized now. Yeah, well, I've listened to it more than enough times. Um, well, I'm also pretty psyched. I don't know. It feels like uh, since the, the All-Star break end, there's been a ton of NHL news. Like it's just been hot coming at us hot and heavy. So I don't know. Just puck is life. I'm feeling good. Yeah, for sure, and uh, yeah, a lot of a, a lot of news that's created, you know, a lot of attention as well among fan bases. So that that makes it even more exciting. I mean, talking about a Columbus fan base that right now that's in full <laughs> panic mode, uh, inexplicably Leafs fan base is somehow in panic mode. I mean, Ottawa could trade literally every one of their players over the next couple of weeks. So yeah, there's, uh, there's... no more stressful time in an NHL like calendar year than like the few weeks leading up to trade deadline. Oh, for sure. I feel like this isn't when. Uh, you know, there's not that many trades that ever get made at trade deadline, but this is when some of the dumbest trades get made. So uh, yeah, that's why sure. it's so exciting of a time. Yeah. Before we get into NHL news, uh, what'd you do for the Super Bowl? You yeah, just just hanging out with a, a bunch of buddies here in uh, here in Kitchener, and uh, you know, just enjoying some some good food, uh, some good conversation, and then all of a sudden in the second half, we uh, started watching the game, and that was a, a big mistake. Yeah, a huge mistake. What the hell were you thinking, man? I don't know. I thought. Uh, thought maybe we'd tune in see what was going on i mean like literally i was like barely like i i kind of registered that it was like three nothing in the first half but like i was barely paying attention to the screen at all and then the second half like for whatever reason we all just tuned in i guess we ran out of things to talk about and holy smokes that was dude the final score game the final score is basically like an nhl scoreline if the ducks are involved you know like it's just like (laughs) that's how boring it was it was so bad i honestly though i feel like just the super bowl in general is overhyped now i mean myself included i love the super bowl we have a uh, a Cohen Classico uh, Super Bowl party at at the at the parent at the rentals place, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, like you said, you know, it's probably more about the spread and the and the company than it is about the actual game itself. We do uh, Montreal smoke meat from uh, Snowden Dell at uh, at our party, so it's always a hit. But I don't know, man. Like it was just I found like obviously the game sucked, but even you know the the ads, which are usually so hilarious, I found you know were not as good as usual this this year. Obviously the halftime show, everyone was crapping on because it was so bad. <laughs> uh, the 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 presentation, the trophy presentation after the fact. For some reason, this year just seems so brutal, you know, with the players not even being able to move because they're mobbed by so many media members and, yeah. you know, the, all the players, like, touching the trophy on the way and obviously everyone hates Roger Goodell. So I just, like, start to finish, like, the Super Bowl really pissed me off this year. I'm obviously still going to, you know, go nuts for it next year, but just, like, overall kind of sucked, eh? You're going to mail me some of that Montreal smoke meat? Oh, dude, I have so much left over. I'll eat we... it five days overdue. I don't care. <laughs> dude, the, I don't think it has an overdue date. It just it just goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, the, the, it's, there's no way Montreal smoked meat ever lasts long enough to get, like, past a yeah, date. Yeah. Like, people so eat fair. it before. Uh... So fair. So we had about, uh, I don't know, I guess, like, 18 people over to our place this year. And so we went, we ordered 10 pounds of smoked meat. And... We get there, and I'm just kind of, you know, like as I do, shooting the shit with the cashier. And I'm like, uh, 
what's the most amount of smoked meat you've ever seen someone order? Like who's like the huge fat ass coming in and ordering them out? And she's like, oh, I don't know. Like it's pretty crazy. We sometimes see like 10 pounds get ordered. I'm like, oh shit, that's us. Oh, sorry. Okay, we'll take her leave now. See ya. <laughs> Thanks for the smoked meat. Bye. Uh, so, but like, honestly, like people do not pull their weight. Uh, I probably have about three pounds of smoked meat left over, which is not a bad thing. I had it for no. lunch at work today. It was so good. Oh my god! Heat it up in the microwave. Throw in a little bit of uh, coleslaw and some some rye bread in there. You're cooking. You just gotta start experimenting, putting it on everything, dribbling it on some cereal, that kind of thing. Yeah, might as well mix it in. The other thing that you're missing out on is is Costco sells beer in Quebec because we're a far superior state than or state Quebec <laughs> province than I'm watching uh, way too much. Super Bowl. Yeah, too much NFL. Seriously, but so I I went uh, with my dad because he's got the Costco membership and mm-hmm. we got forty eight Heinekens for like fifty two dollars or something nuts like that. It, like it's the I, I don't know how you even throw Super Bowl parties in Ontario, you know, like it probably runs you triple the price. A lot of sadness. Yeah, pretty much. Go to the beer store. Get a great selection <laughs> of tall boy medleys. But other yeah. than that, you're, you're pretty much good. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we talk about someone that doesn't have to worry about uh, spending money on his uh, Super Bowl parties anymore because Austin Matthews got paid. Finally ends gets signed before the deadline uh, like a lot of like Toronto insiders were, were speculating I read the James Murdo article on The Athletic about an hour before the news of the signing happened predicting mm-hmm. exactly what happened you know he signed the five year deal what was it uh, an average of 11.34 per season just working in the number and you know seems to be like a, a low key superstar move um, <laughs> but I mean I, I don't see how any Leafs fans could be disappointed. Have you seen anything on Twitter or anything like that where the you know Leafs fans are complaining, saying he got too much money or they want him signed for longer or something? Yeah, I mean, I've you know I actually I think a lot of people are actually uh, very much overanalyzing this uh, this move a little bit. Wow, and, shock! <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely shocker. Toronto media and Toronto Maple Leafs fans overanalyzing anything, but uh, yeah, I have seen a couple of people um, you know going a little overboard on on the conversation about this but yeah i think that it's it's more than fair for for both player and team yeah yeah exactly well, i mean based on what uh, myrtle was saying and uh, i i very much trust his opinion like probably one of i think the most reputable reporters in the game uh he he predicted that um Matthews would be getting a, between 11 and 12 million dollars on on a shorter term deal five years as it turned out he was right and that uh, Marner would who uh, he thinks will be signing over the summer will be uh, more of a bridge deal like they did with Nikita Kucherov in Tampa Bay mm-hmm. two or three years he'll be making probably close to nine million dollars uh, and that their, their their game here is to sign them both to, to shorter term deals at, at a you know similar percentage of the total salary cap as other stars are making the league uh so uh, a little less than what Connor mcdavid you know signed for when when he signed what is it to a year ago but that when matthews and you know once marner signs and when both of those guys come out of their contracts you figure they're in the prime of their careers with you know a lot of over point per season games under their belt they're going to be making huge amounts of money i mean the the number that myrtle was estimating could be you know with the salary cap increasing about two million dollars a year when matthews comes out of his next contract in five years he could be making upwards of 15 60 million dollars a year which sounds like a ton of money but given 
the increase in the salary cap and, and a lot of money that's going to be flooding in with the new US TV deal uh, actually isn't that much. It's about similar to what McDavid makes, you know, everything being judged in percentage of a total salary cap. So, I mean, the, I think that, the, you know, Dubas is, is no fool. You know, like, he knows what he's doing. He's signing these guys, you know, to shorter term deals to try and, you know, capitalize on this window they have now. And then, you know, when the time comes, they'll have to completely reshuffle their their salary cap structure. But I mean, I, I'm I'm just excited if I'm a Leafs fan to finally have you know the Matthews contract situation over. Know that he's not going to get poached by another team uh, on an offer sheet, and you know just focus on 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 a Stanley Cup run because they've got a pretty damn good team this year. Yeah, Leafs fans, uh, maybe try to enjoy this a little bit. Eh? I know the, uh, the media makes it difficult on you. You know, you spent the first half of the season worrying about William Nylander and will he be traded and what you know, amount of money will we pay for him? Then it's switched to Matthews. And now, I mean, Mitch Marner's agent definitely isn't helping out that conversation at all, but now it's all on to Marner and, uh, you know, how much money he's going to command and whether he's going to be offer sheeted and all those, you know, all those ridiculous uh, conversations that are going on right now. I mean, you've got yeah. a sick team. Um, you've got a squad here that, that is built to win right now and and could very well uh, be a cup contender this year. So so just enjoy it a little bit. And, um, for sure, man. Well, especially with the Jake Muzzin ad too. I mean, oh, they got sure. a little taste of it in that uh, Ducks game where he scored that snipe and then laid out Corey Perry. Like, it seems like they've got all the pieces in place right now. Now, assuming Anderson, uh, you know, plays how we know he can, not how we also know he can, I guess. <laughs> but, I mean, they, they definitely have all the pieces to go on a deep run. Whether they can get past Tampa Bay is another story. But, I mean, like you said, it seems like Maple Leafs fans, like, even when their team is good, just find reasons to be miserable, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I, to your point, I find it really interesting that now the conversation's kind of turned to this whole percentage of cap thing, which which kind of makes sense. It sounds like Austin Matthews' demand, if he was to sign an eight-year deal, was to have the exact same percentage of cap as Connor McDavid versus uh, you know the same number. It always used to seem like it was it was number matching in the NHL, but now it's more so uh, the whole percentage of cap right. conversation. And I think that's going to be. Uh, something that we talk about in the future, and uh, but you know, again, if I'm well, a Leafs fan, uh, I'm not too worried about you know the amount that these big guys get paid because really, it's it's very rarely the top guy's salary that that kind of screws you. Yeah, you got to pay your the, stars. Yeah, exactly. Those are the guys you want to overpay because you need their talent. You need them to to kind of be the drivers. You know, your Crosby, Malkins, your Taves, Canes. Um, you know, those sure. contracts aren't, aren't, especially the Taves one, they aren't amazing, but, you know, they won cups, so it doesn't matter. And it's the four to seven million dollar contracts that, you know, of other players yeah. that really screw you. So I wouldn't yeah. be too worried about these ones. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like bottom six forwards and, you know, death defensemen, you know, are so easy to get your hands on these days, but it's the mm-hmm. stars that never come around. I mean, the Leafs had to, you know, suck and get these guys to the draft. Just pay your stars. I mean, like, I, it just, you know, I feel like if you had asked a Leafs fan like 10 years ago, you know, would you take a, a, a top five center in the league or now they have, you know, two top 10 centers in the league, but you have to pay them each like $11 million. Like it just, it just seems crazy that like any Leafs fans will have the audacity to complain about like the number they're getting, you know, exactly. Just like you, you pay your stars, like having players like that are going to give you the best chance to win. Now it's all just about, you know, what what this team could do down the stretch. And it, it definitely seems like this is a team that's like kind of just waking up and has, I guess you know their their best hockey still to play. So I, I'm curious to see how they do. Yeah, one last thing on the uh, the Matthews um, situation, and I'm gonna 
I'm going to do at least one healthy scratch early this week was one of the yeah. guys at the the press conference who asked Matthews, uh, you know, whether or not any other teams made any offers. Basically, uh, what did anyone uh, <laughs> get involved in any tampering? That's basically the yeah. question he asked him. Yeah, basically um, like, hey, you willing to tattle on another team's GM for doing some naughty work? Exactly. And I'm pretty sure Matthew, I don't know how the rules work fully, but I'm pretty sure Matthews would would get into trouble if, if that sort of thing happened as yeah. well. So, uh, yeah, really a, really a puzzling question. And, I mean, that's kind of what you get with Toronto Media. I mean, there's... Uh, as much as you know, it's it's home to some of the smartest reporters and, and that sort of thing. It's also you know they'll just send random it's also local. Home to Steve Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I wasn't gonna say any names, but that's that's a fair enough. Uh... That's a fair enough call, and I don't think you know even Steve Simmons knows a lot better than that. This was probably some uh, you know local news reporter or something like that yeah, who just didn't yeah. fully know the situation. And somehow, I mean, the one problem with also also with Toronto media is, you know, while their members, you know, there's a, there's a confidence to them, right? Like they will ask this kind of question, you know, <laughs> like even if they don't know that much. I mean, I see it all honestly, the time as a soccer honestly, reporter, I, but yeah, it, soccer's worse because I feel like they probably know less. Yeah, like, uh, the reporters exactly. sent there know nothing. What yeah. was it? It was a DC reporter who asked, uh, I think, uh, a, a new European player coming in if they were planning on winning the World Cup. Yeah, it was asked, a Chicago uh, Fire Bastion Schweinsteiger. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. I actually sympathize with the reporter, though, that has to ask that silly question. Uh, it happened to me once. I didn't actually ask the question, but when I was at CTV News, um, uh, Celine Dion was doing a, a charity event downtown Montreal. She was like, pushing some handbags that she's going to sell for charity. I forget exactly what it was. Anyways, uh, CTV got a call from uh, eTalk because they're also a Bell Media uh, chain, and they wanted the reporter, who in the end was me, going to ask a question to Celine Dion. I was like, okay, that's cool. I'm down. And they go, okay, we want you to ask her what she thinks about the new Taylor Swift album and if she could ever you know, not, not even what you do a collab just yeah. what do you think about the new taylor swift album I, in my head i was kind of like why the fuck like do you really want me to be that reporter in the in the crowd like asking a totally non-related question in the end they only allowed like four questions and i obviously did not volunteer my hand yeah but i wouldn't have even been the dumbest person there because uh a reporter for the Gazette ended up like flirting with her during his question and like asking her out to dinner. It was so weird. Like it was oh. just it was one of those real like kind of like groaner situations. So even if I'd asked about Taylor Swift's new album, I would have been the biggest boner there. But yeah, like I, anyways, I, I like I feel like that question might have come from like a, an editor or something. Just like, hey, like if you want to keep your job, you got to ask this stupid fucking question at the interview at the press conference. Like, okay. Yeah, so. yeah, that's definitely something that, that happens sometimes, uh, you know, to – to kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit. I mean, editors do ask all the time for for players to ask questions. I know I there's one reporter uh, who I work with on, uh, you know, who who works kind of directly with the league, and they always have kind of silly silly uh, stories they're working on. And he's always, you know, basically even the players will say, you know, I really like that guy, but sometimes he asks super bizarre questions, and we kind yeah. of told them, uh, yeah, it's the it's the league that's getting him to you know ask these questions. So yeah, perhaps uh, perhaps someone put them up to asking that question. But anyway, a bizarre kind of situation, and um, yeah, certainly uh, certainly not a question that I would see Matthews answering at all. Yeah, yeah, no, obviously not. Uh, it was last point, then we'll move on. Is like just you mentioned um, about the uh, like the new way to refer to contracts being percentage. I think it's just like based on the new CBA, right? I mean, uh, the like last CBA, which was what five six years ago, you know, it, the, the the salary cap did not move 
very much each year. Mm-hmm. So contracts, you know, dollar wise are pretty comparable. Whereas now with the salary cap increasing more every year, like it's it's just like it's not a relative number because you know what Jack Eichel signed for, you know, three years ago, let's say, isn't like going to be the same dollar value that Austin Matthews should be signed to this this year. And also, I like that the sneaky move that the that the rich teams can pull. You know, like the Maple Leafs sign their big contracts and they're almost exclusively in signing bonuses. Yeah. Uh, I I I figure that's just because uh, the players want their money safe in case there's a lockout, right? Because the signing bonus is guaranteed to them at the beginning of the year, but mm-hmm. if there's a if there's a work strike, uh, they don't get their salary. So it's just like probably another way that the Leafs can drive the uh, the dollars down a little bit. But it seems like a pretty strategic move for for all the rich teams that can pull. So anyways, like just the last two notes on on his contract there. I assume. You know, Nylander got that treatment. I assume Barn will get the same deal. It's like kind of nice to get like a nice fat, what is it, fifteen million dollar check at the fucking start of the season. Yeah. That's unbelievable. All right, well, let's move on from the Leafs uh, trade announcement today. Brian Boyle shipped from the New Jersey Devils to the Nashville Predators in exchange for a second round pick in this year's draft. Uh, I, Nashville actually wasn't done adding. They brought back Cody McLeod from. Uh, from the uh, from the New York Rangers for I believe what is a seventh round pick, uh, he mm-hmm. he returns to Nashville. So so two death penalty taker apparently. Yeah, that's what well, Nashville Predators fans are calling him. That's well, I, I don't know if that's in, meant to be endearing or you know, like annoyment. No, it, it wasn't. <laughs> well, I figure he's just going to be a rotational guy anyways. Maybe yeah. some sandpaper to add into the playoffs. They end well, up playing, you know, like a physical team. Zach Ronaldo but, just uh, got injured apparently, which begs the question. Zach Ronaldo was a predator. Yeah, no, no, that I knew. That I knew actually, but he kind of flies under the radar. A lot of these players move out to the West Coast, and you just kind of never hear from them again, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, I mean, people really like Brian Boyle as a fourth line center, wins faceoff, kills penalties. He was like standing in front of the net in the Devils power play too. So, uh, for for a team like Nashville that's going to be loading up for another, you know, hopefully Stanley Cup, uh, a pretty good move, eh? Yeah, yeah, I think so, and. Uh... Yeah, you know, you mentioned the the standing in front of the net on the power play. I, I think this is why, perhaps, also, you know, the Predators might not be done. But something that Brian Boyle brings is this is the fact that the Nashville Predators power play, which doesn't seem to make sense considering all the talent they have, especially on the back end, it's pretty bad. I mean, they just scored their first power play goal since January 9th last night. Really? Oh, that's yeah. ugly. Yeah, really ugly. I mean, we regularly watch a team who has a pretty darn bad power play in the Montreal Canadiens, and they the, haven't even the gone... The worst power play. Okay, yeah, there you go. But, like, they, even they haven't gone on a... You know, it feels like they haven't gone on a streak like that. So that was pretty awful from them and and for a contending team like that you know that's something you want to figure out very quickly in the playoffs because teams will start to key in on that and you know the second a penalty against doesn't become that bad of a you know that bad of a uh an issue for for an opposing team you know they'll take some liberties so you got to make sure that you're you're killing them on the power play and um yeah i think brian boyle will will certainly help out there but i I could imagine them them not being done i think uh you know, I think they could be one of the teams that's regularly on the phone with the Ottawa Senators trying to add yeah. potentially Mark one of Stone. their yeah, Mark yeah, Stone, and Duchesne, Simmons. Simmons is Zingle. the other one they're connected to. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's actually a lot of good forwards out there. So I think the Predators yeah. are definitely one of the teams to to kind of watch uh, as we near the trade deadline here. It's actually crazy to think about that the Predators got Brian Boyle in 2019 for a second round pick. 
but they paid a first round pick however many years ago for Paul Gostad, who's like <laughs> so not nearly as good a fourth line center as Brian Boyle is. So I forgot like, about that trade. Yeah, that was like, when that was when teams just threw around ones like yeah the trade deadline like a first rounder like didn't even get you that much back in the day. Dude, it got you Paul Gostad. <laughs> there you go. Who, like no offense, like fourth line centers like are good to have in the playoffs, but like come on, like a first yeah. round pick is so valuable now. So I mean, it just shows you you know like the importance that teams place on draft picks now because it like you know a set, second round pick can still be pretty good i mean fuck the the boston bruins just celebrated patrice bergeron's thousandth game he was picked in the second round so i mean mm-hmm. there's some very good players who get picked in the second round i mean it's it's like a lower odds obviously but uh yeah just like i think david Poyle is the kind of guy who's like makes a mistake once and never ever makes it again you know like he he gave up a first round pick for a fourth line center who's like yeah never gonna do that again same with you know ryan Suter, like he let him walk in free agency he's like i'm gonna sign guys three years before their contracts come up you know so uh i i agree with you though that uh like they they seem to be connected to a lot of uh a lot of forwards uh in the trade like the the trade rumors so yeah Good move by them. I honestly wanted the Habs to make a move for Brian Boyle just because, you know, for a second-round pick, you know, a team that needs, you know, a really dependable fourth-line center, Brian Boyle is probably one of the best in the league for that, and he wins face-off, kills penalties. So, I mean, like overall, like great player to have, and it's tons of playoff experience. So good ad for Nashville. I like it. I just don't like it that it wasn't for the Canadians because I would have liked uh, the Habs have, I think, like three, four second-round picks over the next two drafts. So it would have been nice to use one of those for that. But what are you going to do? Yeah, at the same time, I mean, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit. If you're Montreal, I think you, you maybe just hang on to some of these picks and and just look at the future. I mean, you're playing with house money. Nobody expected you to be this good this year, so uh, you can just keep heading towards the rebuild. If there's a deal that makes a lot of sense, you go for it. But, um, yeah, there's certainly certainly teams in two different places where a, a second rounder given up for Nashville is, a, you know, a lot less important than a second rounder given up by the, the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, let's move west. Let's talk about the Oilers. <sighs> man, another season where, uh, yeah, well, man, it just it sucks. Like, I can't believe it's another season. If anyone listening didn't see the clip today, uh, another Oilers fan uh, was caught throwing a jersey on the ice during a game. That's two hundred bucks, literally thrown onto the ice. <laughs> And this was a game. I mean, somehow uh, I, I think it was Pierre LeBrun who dubbed the 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 wild card race a turtle race. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally just all the struggling teams in the league somehow in a battle for for two playoff spots. Uh, I mean, Minnesota's at fifty seven points, and Anaheim, who's seventeen losses in the last nineteen games, is yeah. only six back of Minnesota for the first wild card spot. So Minnesota it just, just lost it, Miko Koivu for the season today, by the way. Oh well that's wow. That that's that's tough news for them. Well just add it to the turtle race, I guess. <laughs> but uh, Edmonton was playing uh, Chicago last night. Uh, they jumped out to a a two nothing lead, and then in the third period they gave up uh, four goals in just about six minutes of game time. So I it was mean, actually two minutes and forty. Two seconds. minutes? Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, it's even worse than I thought. So so there you have it. So I mean, just like a a, a pretty awesome collapse in one game for the Edmonton Oilers, and just one fan that had enough, and I think it kind of like encapsulates how the entire fan base is feeling right now correct yeah i don't 
I don't actually have a lot more to say on the the Oilers, but I did want to mention the fact that uh, two teams definitely trending in, in different directions is the Hawks. I mean, you talk about that, yeah, baby. You know, that race in in the West. I mean, they're they've won five in a row. They're looking pretty good. They're they're three points out of the playoffs. I knew I mean, that trade for Strom would would look bad oh, on, yeah. on on Arizona. I mean, it looks worse just because Schmaltz went down with a season-ending injury. Mm. But man, like when when you get to surround a guy with that much talent with you know Patrick Kane and DeBrinket and Saad and Taves you know just I, I and he's he scored a, he scored one of the goals that uh helped Chicago come back last night I saw so yeah Hawks going the the right way but I just feel so bad for Oilers fans you know like how many how long are they gonna have to suffer and once again I mean yes they're fighting for a playoff spot right now but they basically are gonna have to do a retool again because they just don't have the horses to win I mean they don't have the goaltending they don't have the forward depth and they don't have the blue line so uh, once again they're kind of facing like a semi-rebuild retool I just I don't see when the Oilers are going to be competitive again, and they've even with the best player in in the league, they they still can't get it done. So I I really feel for that fan base, man. Yeah, for sure. And uh, well, a fan base that we were we've talked about how much we were feeling for um, earlier in the year, but now you know they're they're much happier. Is is the Philadelphia Flyers? And wow, what a run that team's on! And it's almost confusing. I mean. <laughs> this this is well if you're if you're a Flyers fan here like you know you you thought you were in the very much in the lottery race you thought this was another write off year and you were gonna shed some pieces here I mean we talked about Wayne Simmons earlier we've heard a number of names I mean their GM basically said everyone who's not Claude Giroux is available for conversation but I think there's another name that he might want to put in that conversation as well as it Carter maybe Hart. looks like the Flyers finally uh have their goalie he's just been unbelievable over the past couple of games and you know it's kind of funny that Ron Hextall one of the one of the big things was he didn't want to bring up Carter Hart and you know being a former goalie uh, I can kind of understand that he thought that the pressure and I mean being on a on a bad team sometimes is uh you know can be super detrimental for a young goalie it's tough it's tough and like the starting job is such a stressful position I understand that you want to shelter a 20 year old yeah but at the same time I mean when you're ready, you're ready, and Carter Hart is is clearly ready for the NHL minutes. I mean, this is a guy that uh, throughout his career has just shown to be incredibly confident, pretty unflappable. So uh, we'll see. You know, we've we've talked about this before how there's kind of a new goalie bump, and sometimes um, when shooters don't necessarily have the book on on a goaltender, yeah. they they can you know come out to a super hot start. We've seen that with. A ton of Maple Leaf goalies over the past couple of years. Yeah. I mean, J.S. Oban, I think, was was one of the ones where he was just ridiculous out of the gates. And uh, there's a ton of other goalie examples there as well. But I think Carter Hart has shown throughout his career that he's not going to be one of those, even if there will be uh, a little bit of regression at some point as well. So very interesting times for the Flyers as, you know, they kind of find themselves in, in a playoff race once again in the East and uh, not that far out. And, you know, they're, they're like the Hawks. They're one of those teams trending in the right direction. And uh, if you're, if you're one of those teams in the wild cards, you've got to be looking behind yourselves a little bit here. Yeah, for sure. So flyers have won eight in a row. I don't think you mentioned and Hart is, uh, has won seven in a row. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't believe this list. He joins a list of just four goalies who have uh, had seven game winning streak before their 21st birthday that's Carey Price Tom Barrasso and Carter Hart now and uh, the first name on that list with an 
game winning streak is Justin Tebow, which I was I was pretty <laughs> surprised by, man, because I always think of Tebow as you know like the loser return in the pa- in the Patrick Watt trade, yeah. but he like I, I forget he was still a very competent goalie. He was just not Patrick Watt, you know. Uh, so pr- pretty good company to be in for uh, for Carter Hart there. Uh, we'll see if he can get that eighth straight win. Um, but dude, like you said, the as it stands right now on, on Wednesday evening, Flyers have 54 points, which is seven back of Columbus for the last wildcard spot. There's two teams ahead of the Flyers, but the Hurricanes and the Sabres have, have both been struggling. Actually, Carolina is 6-3-1 their last 10, and Niederreiter's been a pretty good fit since they traded for him. But Buffalo 4-6 and six in their last 10 has been has been floundering in you know, mm-hmm. like typical Buffalo fashion. So, man, <laughs> Philly is suddenly right back in the playoff mix. It's actually crazy. And uh, we, we said at the beginning of the season that they, they've got a really talented team. And they still do. I mean, the the reason they found themselves in dead last was because of their garbage goaltending. I, I you you had the stat a few podcasts ago. Uh, their two goalies having just like in, insanely low uh, numbers. They I, I forget exactly. Like it was like sixtieth or something in, in save percentage for both their goalies. Like it was it was just awful. Like they both their starters were playing you know worse than backup numbers. Uh, so but you know goaltending is at the end of the day the most important position in hockey. If you don't have a, a goalie that can stop the puck, you're not going to win a game. And it seems like Carter Hart, at least, at least for the meantime, is doing it exactly. So if he keeps playing like this, man, there's no reason that the Flyers can't uh, you know, sneak into the wild card spot because they've got the, the horses up front and they've got some you know good skating young blue liners on, on the back end. So like you said, it'll be interesting to see where the Flyers go in the playoff race. And I mean, if the Hawks keep winning too, man, it's like a lot of teams to hop over for them. But turtle race in the West, so yeah, two teams that definitely are going to be fun to keep an eye on because they've got some talent and could uh, run the table to end the season. Well, the other key here for the uh, Philadelphia Flyers is uh, Nolan Patrick's been mucking the ham and cheese sandwiches. <laughs> Dude, I love that interview. Uh, I, I, are we allowed to play tape? I don't know if we can, but that that was <laughs> such a funny little clip. The the reporter asked like a super jumbled question. I don't even like nobody understands. Yeah, it. I had no idea what she was oh, saying. So funny, so funny. It just goes, oh wow, that's a crazy question. Well, I had a ham and cheese, so feeling pretty good. I wonder if he actually was taking a dig at, at Johnny Gaudreau, or if he just, you know, like actually eats ham and cheese sandwiches. Probably. I think it. I think it must be uh, something that's going around among the young players. I mean, clearly it's been working. Nolan Patrick's been pretty good lately. He scored a sick goal against the Habs the other day. So, yeah, real. Um, uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I think maybe that's something to key in on the, for the rest of the season is that uh, that ham and cheese uh, that ham and cheese combo before the game starts. Yeah, wow. You'll have, to, you'll have to start doing it in beer league and seeing what uh, what happens. <laughs> Actually, I I do have some uh, some data on having a uh, burger and fries and a beer before a game. I think <laughs> I'm undefeated. I think I'm like three and zero, and I always play stellar. Well, when you take a crap on the ice and the game gets canceled, that doesn't uh, doesn't necessarily count towards a winning. Record, no, no, I said I said three and zero, not <laughs> oh no. And, oh, it's like the Sundin effect, right? Like, didn't he have a Big Mac on the way of the game? He scored three goals or something stupid. Probably yeah, that sounds uh, sounds about right. There actually was a Leafs player back in the day. I remember reading when I was at the Hockey News again. Hockey News archives. We'll talk about this. Uh, Love that a couple of times because there's so much gold in there. But it was a uh, it was a player on the Leafs used to. So he'd cook a steak. Um, he'd take a shovel and, and put the steak in in the furnace at uh, at Maple Leaf Gardens. No. You wash it down with a pint of cream, and then he'd uh, and then he'd have a full apple pie. So that was his uh, that was his pregame meal. 
and then he'd go out and score like six goals because oh, yeah. he was fucking NHL back in the day. Yeah, because because everyone else was just hacking like four darts on the bench, so they, even, yeah. they were even slower. <laughs> they had beers in the water bottles. Yeah. People actually joke about that in my beer league. I can't even imagine. Like, I have oh. a beer with the boys after the game because it's, yeah. it's tradition, but I don't even want it that much, you know? Like, the, when, when I've You're played so on... You're so dehydrated. Dude, dude, that's it. Like, especially in all my goalie gear, you know? Like, I'm so sweaty and dehydrated after the game. Like, the last thing I want is beer. If I had a beer in my water bottle and was, like, taking sips during the game, there's no question there'd be a cleanup on aisle crease. Yeah, well, I remember uh, Kelly Rudy, actually, after... I can't remember, it was like four overtimes. Anyway, one of the longest games in NHL history when he was in net, the first thing he did when he got off the ice was have a couple of beers. Like, oh, what a literally beauty. could have died. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, well, we got a little off track, but why don't we uh, find the rails again? And uh, I want to talk Ducks again, and I know it's, like, pretty obvious because, uh, I mean, they suck. Mm-hmm. But we don't get to watch them too often because you know we're here on the east coast and we both follow the canadians uh but the the ducks were uh, on their east coast swing they played the leafs uh what was it monday night and the, the the canadians tuesday night so got to watch them uh, up close and it really flusters me i don't understand why they're so bad like i actually like it, i rack my brain and i just Looking at their lineup, and you know the RDS shows the opposing team's lines. Mm-hmm. Looking at the Ducks on paper, they really should not be a bad team. They've got one of the best top four in the league. They've got one of the best goalies in the league. They've got very strong center icemen, like maybe not the fastest, but definitely skilled. I mean, Getzlav might be getting old, but he's still you know a very talented centerman. It seems like they have depth on the wings. I just, I don't know what it is about the team other than Randy Carlyle. I can't understand how the guy has a job still it just doesn't make sense to me because it seems like he's taken a pretty talented roster employed really old school tactics that nobody likes i mean it's it's pretty common knowledge that players don't enjoy playing for randy carlisle uh, people have called him like a he, he scrutinizes over every detail of the game it just makes it really not enjoyable to play that's what players have said about him and it's not even working i mean if it if it was working that's one thing but yeah. he's they're, 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 they've got 17 losses in their last 19 games. They're getting absolutely caved in in the shot clock every game. I just I don't understand what he could have said to 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 the Ducks GM for him to keep his job. It just really doesn't make sense. And then to add insult to injury, man, they just got caved in. What was it? Uh, nine nine two was it to the to the Jets over the weekend? They got they got lit up for nine goals against the Jets, whatever whatever they scored. doesn't matter. They gave up nine. And then he flies into Toronto. He's making cracking jokes about Mark Masters' shiny shoes, you know? Like, no, Babcock has to make those jokes because the Maple Leafs are second in the Atlantic and they've, they're five, four, and one in the last ten. You get to joke about uh, shiny shoes then. If you've lost 17 of your last 19 games, you should not have a freaking smile on your face, man. Like, if I was a fan of the Ducks and I saw that, I would be so pissed i mean like i just i don't i don't know what he was thinking so i just it seems like this east coast trip is going pretty terribly for the ducks Jeez, you're that last uh stanza went pretty terribly for you but, oh, um... <laughs> it, it, it really did man like I, I i'm losing my mind and my voice talking about the ducks <laughs> yeah fair enough uh you know, I, I I maybe disagree a little bit in the sense that I don't know that this team's that amazing, especially their forward group. Like, 
I mean, Getzlaff, you mentioned, but he's getting older. Corey Perry's just a shell of himself, and he missed most of this season. Yeah, he's been in. But when I look at their lines, like even Corey Perry, sorry, they've got Ricard they don't Raquel. really have, like, score. Do they have any they've... superstar players, though, up front? Like, Ricard Raquel's, like, he's solid, but he's not amazing. Silverberg's solid, up, like, not what, amazing. Five thirty goals every year. Silverberg scores 20. They've got Kessler who can put up. I guess, I guess the issue is. they don't anymore, though. I guess that's the issue is their their stars are getting old and it's the same problem that I guess you know a team like Chicago's having and the Kings are having is when you're built on a dynasty of players and they start to age what do you do you know it's 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 hard to admit that you have to cut those players loose but by the same token you're not gonna win a uh, a Stanley Cup with aging stars so I guess I guess you know they've been talking about you know rebuilding this roster or retooling it whatever you want to call it the deck so uh wait and see what they do with the deadline i i, I pray to sweet jesus that they don't try and make a hockey trade and get into the and try, <laughs> and try and sneak into the playoffs because that would just be such a disaster yeah yeah it's, it's especially with the west as good as it is this year like you're not going anywhere if you make it in the playoffs as the ducks but um but yeah i think look i think they they have to clean house there a little bit and i don't just mean their coach i think uh i think murray's got to go as well considering you know how much he's been able to put up with with carlisle and it really does sound like they're a bit of a package deal here um you know the, the guy who might step in would be dave Nonis, which would just be you know fantastic but um, <laughs> man they've got they've good, got the that's one heck of a succession plan <laughs> they've got the yeah. x loser leafs coach and they're gonna fill their front office with x loser leafs like i <laughs> what is going on in anaheim mm, man dion will be there very shortly like it's gonna be it's gonna be a nice leafs reunion they're basically the you know that's kind of the one of the funny things about the ducks is they do very much remind you of the Randy Carlisle Leafs. I mean, there's some exactly. skill there, there's some talent, but they get outshot like every game. Their goaltender has to stand on his head to to even get them reasonably close to the playoffs. So yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, it it, it literally. Yeah, it makes why, it makes no sense why. Uh, and it's why I don't understand why Carlisle has a job. Yeah, yeah, it, it really doesn't make sense. But uh, speaking of the the Ducks and the Habs um, game this week. There's a Hab player who has been absolutely fantastic lately, and that's Jesperi Kokniemi. Um, you know, I th- yeah, baby. This this year has been pretty incredible for Montreal. I think it's pretty clear there's been a lot of great stories. Max Domi, um, you know, a lot of other ones as well. But I think there's no better one for the Canadians this year than Kokniemi, just because of what he represents in terms of the future of this team and how many other exciting young players are coming up. And uh, he's getting very, very close to breaking the uh, actual club record for... Well, I guess he's not getting close, but uh, I mean on on pace to break the 39-point record for an 18-year-old set by Mario Tremblay back in 1974-75. So uh, just an incredible season. And I I remember all the way back at the start of the year when Montreal decided to keep him up. And uh, I remember having conversations with fans of other teams who were, you know, wondering aloud... um, why Montreal was keeping him up and the fact that maybe it's just because they don't have enough centers and, and this was going to hurt his development. But I remember telling them, look, he's not putting up the numbers yet, but he right away he looked very comfortable at the NHL level. He didn't look afraid. And he the other look thing, out of place ever. No, ever. And the other thing is he's learning, clearly. You can see that all over the place. He's getting much better. And it's not even offensive. I'd say actually defensively is the most impressive part of his game. And I know... You know, he gets usage, uh, definitely uh, gets helpful from that sense. I mean, Claude Julien 
um, you know, especially earlier in the season was, was definitely giving him some good matchups, but at the same time here recently, he's really trusted him and given him some tougher matchups. And, uh, when he's on the ice, I mean, the Habs defensive numbers are amazing. They barely give up any chances and it's, you know, you can see it. It's, it's what he does. He's got that long stick. He breaks up chances well in advance of them developing. So for an 18 year old, you know, it's just so exciting to have a player like this on the Montreal Canadiens again. And uh, recently, uh, you know, the offense has been added to, uh, he's been scoring almost every game. So um, it's, it's been very exciting of late. You're a podcaster with a long stick from time to time. <laughs> oh no. Let's, let's steer very clear of any Pierre Maguire conversation. <laughs> you said he's got a long stick. It just made me think of that Maguire line. I had Fair to throw enough. it in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, like I'm, I'm just as excited as you are. He scored three goals in his last three games, uh, one in each, uh, one in each contest. And uh, I think you probably read that same article as I did that Arpin Basso, the Athletic, wrote, mm. um, basically saying that Julian's gotten to the point where he's trusted Cockney so much that he has no point but to play him in all these, uh, you know, I guess improved situations. So now you see Cockney Emmy on the right half boards on the top power play. Suddenly that power play looks like way more dangerous, and Weber's getting off more shots, which is what you want. Yeah. He's getting to play uh, with with consistent line mates now, and Lekkinen and Armia now that uh, Armia's returned from injury, and that line's found great chemistry together, and they're getting to play in more situations. Cockney Emmy's taking more defensive zone draws. They're Cockney Emmy's actually double shifted against the uh, the Oilers when he scored that beautiful uh, backhand goal so i mean bassy's point in all this was that the canadians are almost adding a player at the deadline by using cockney emmy more often i mean like you said he's been pretty sheltered through the first half of the season only playing you know 13 to 15 minutes a game but he played a season high 17 minutes uh, and eight seconds against edmonton so you figure that as the season goes down uh you know, towards the playoffs and cockney emmy continues to improve there's no reason for julian not to keep you know upping his minutes because the kid deserves it man it's unbelievable yeah. it's crazy to think that he's only 18 years old you know like you forget it at times watching him with the plays he makes like that backhand goal he scored against the, the oilers was a veteran play just like the patience he had to 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 wait for the puck he broke it up uh uh in the neutral zone before going down low waited for the puck and then just like coolly flipped it over his backhand and roofed it i mean it's it, it's impressive to watch this kid so uh we we were talking and I think uh, I mean the Calder's pretty much sewn up because mm-hmm. you know some freak in Vancouver is putting up over a point per game, but uh, you know I I have to think that if Cockney Emmy uh, continues uh, his play that he he should be on the ballot for the final three. I mean there's some strong rookies this year, uh, Heiskanen in Dallas and and Darlene in Buffalo, but you know given how important Cockney Emmy is to the Canadians and if he keeps putting up the offensive numbers like there's no doubt in my mind that he'll be uh, on on the short list for for Calder. I mean I think winning is out of the question, but you know just being named for a, for a top 3 rookie at an 18, as a, as an 18 year old I think is uh, pretty exciting for any Habs fan, man. The yeah. the other thing to your point, uh, I actually still talk to have fans now again who are like oh like i think you should just go back to finland or oh why did they even keep him up in the nhl in the first place which just shows that you know like montreal is a crazy town and uh, there's there's no settled opinion on hockey in montreal no matter what it is even if it's something you know extremely simple like cockney emmy's good enough to play in the nhl people are still gonna have split opinions about it so i like i'm i'm honestly pretty surprised that people uh think that i i was one of the people who from the start thought he should uh 
he should have stuck in the NHL. And I mean, obviously it's worked out for both him and the Canadians, but clearly some people think otherwise. And, you know, that's Montreal for you. Yeah, from his very first game, I mean, against the Toronto Maple Leafs, it was pretty clear that, you know, he was one of those things on that very first game where you could tell this is going to be a different team this year, and uh, a lot of it was was his play. Uh, I definitely think he's he's in the heat of the Calder conversation right now. At the moment, I've, I'd have Dallin and Heiskin in edging him just because, uh, you know, the, what they've been able to do as defensemen at, at, at such a young age. But, um, yeah, if he can continue to put up points like this, uh, I, I think that, you know, it's pretty clear he's going to find his way onto that ballot, um, you know, where he – and also the fact that he's in Montreal, I think that definitely helps him as well. It always it always kind of helps to have a little extra spotlight shone on you in uh, in some of these uh, – you know, you always get a couple extra votes here and there, which we've we've continuously seen, especially the, the East Coast bias. So uh, that's where a guy like Heiskanen could potentially uh, miss out as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where – where he fits into that entire uh, rookie of the year conversation, but an interesting stat on Cockney, I mean, that I saw today is actually that every one of the goals he scored this year has been at the Bell Center. So um, definitely, <laughs> no a, way. definitely one of those players who's you know you, you can obviously uh, look at that a couple ways, but I, I think for me, it's he's one of those players that really has embraced the Montreal and embraced the Bell Center crowd, and that's you know that's only good news for um, you know a player because it definitely uh, it definitely doesn't happen for everyone who, who comes to town. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. All right, uh, one last thing before we move into healthy scratches. Did you see that Alex uh, Edler injury yet? Oh yeah, that was uh, oh that was such a free awful. play. Yeah, so for anyone who didn't see it, I've never seen this, and I've been watching hockey for like 15, 20 years. I've never seen anything like this. Alex Edler is is backing up in in his defensive zone, and a Flyers player uh, Voracek skating by him. Uh, Edler's stick got caught in Voracek's skate, it looked like, and just hauled Edler face first down to the ice. It reminded me, like, it was a similar kind of impact of when George Paros fought, fought Colt Knorr and mm-hmm. kind of swung and missed and then just yeah. landed full head first on the ice. It was that level, but worse because because uh, Voracek's momentum carried him into the ice. Uh, just like a really scary incident, which just reminds you how dangerous the game can be. So, you know, obviously thoughts with him. And uh, shockingly, he was diagnosed with a concussion uh, uh, on Tuesday. Nothing uh, nothing yet in terms of timeline. But, man, just if you haven't seen the clip yet, definitely go take a look because it was uh, it was pretty freaky, honestly. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, he, he was one of the players probably that Vancouver potentially would have been looking at moving at the deadline so this definitely hurts his value um somehow he had no facial fractures which is pretty unbelievable considering how hard he he hit the ice but yeah definitely a conky after that and uh same kind of thought i mean it it reminded me a lot of the paros incident so uh hopefully he can uh, hopefully it's not too bad but yeah i mean that definitely did not look good and he was uh he was leaking pretty badly after that one which which you would imagine yeah it's one of those plays that uh you hate to see i mean it's it's well, it's one of those plays you never see. That's why yeah. it was so crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's always one of those plays that will happen every once in a blue moon because, you know, they, we're playing a game basically on concrete with with knives on the on the feet of players. So it's it's what could go happen, wrong? But yeah, there's, there's nothing that can go wrong with that happening. So yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna happen every once in a while. But yeah, you you hate to see it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right, I've got a. Did Did you already use your healthy scratch up earlier in the pod, or do you have another one? I have a quick second one, and it's okay. uh, someone posted today. Uh, 
today being uh, February 6th and we're recording this, um, the NHL calendar, they, they kind of have one of those daily calendars, you know, like the little ones with the tear-off pages that they put out. It's yeah. an official NHL calendar, and it wrongly states the fact that the United States beat uh, Russia in the Summit Series. Um, and they, they like, it's not like they made this mistake once. They, like, multiple times state that it was the U.S. who, who won. And then uh, apparently Paul Henderson scored off a sick pass from uh, Phil Esposito, which we all know Henderson scored on a rebound. So they literally got nothing factually correct except the fact that Henderson scored the goal. Oh, God. Well, maybe it's because it wasn't NHL, so they're just like, you know, not so blatantly throwing shade at it like a non NHL uh, tournament. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. Yeah. Screw <laughs> the double IHF. Somehow it was the, the Arizona Coyotes that beat the Soviet Union. Yeah. The... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, dude. I've got I've got a pretty good one this week. Uh, right. Healthy scratch. I saw the story today. I'm like, oh, dude, this is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Okay, so my healthy scratch goes out to a mountain lion in Colorado. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the story, uh, a jogger in Colorado was on some trail and he heard a noise and he turned around and there's just a mountain lion staring him straight in the face. He like it was the Oilers this... mascot. No, it wasn't, dude. It was a straight up mountain lion, like, <laughs> like one of those ferocious killers yeah and apparently this guy was like pretty i don't know like outdoorsy kind of he knew what to do in the situation mm-hmm. so he kind of like you know waves his, his own pee <laughs> no, no no he peed on the mountain lion no <laughs> nothing involving pee no dude this is actually crazy so the the guy like waves his hands over his head and starts yelling to try and scare it off mm-hmm. the thing doesn't give a shit stares him right in the eye and jumps him like attacks the shit out of him this guy goes full like keanu reeves this guy apparently like blocks the mountain lion with his arm the mountain lion latches onto his wrist mm-hmm. like biting into it and clawing at his face this yeah. guy picks up a rock smashes the mountain lion in the head a bunch of times and then as soon as the mountain lion lets go of his arm he then grapples it and strangled it to death with his arms and legs he killed a mountain lion with his bare hands he then after killing the mountain lion hiked back to his car and drove himself to the hospital wasn't this a DiCaprio movie? No, this is a real life thing. <laughs> I, dude, this is one of the craziest things I've ever heard. He <laughs> this guy's me, such a legend. Dude, he apparently, so he he drove himself to the hospital. Yeah. He checked in, said he'd gotten attacked by a mountain lion. They treated him for you know like like what do you call it lacerations to the face and arms mm-hmm. and uh he he hasn't decided if he wants to go public yet with the story so nobody knows who's this who's this guy is all this information came from like the whatever county um um what do you call it rangers natural reserve uh, yeah. rangers and they uh, related this story to the press and were like this is one of the craziest things we ever heard but it's a good thing this guy's prepared because he pretty much did everything you're supposed to do i i just like I I feel like if it was me in that situation, I would just kind of like accept my fate and you know like sit cross-legged and just let the mountain lion have its way with me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of like how I would even do that. <laughs> like, just a Dude. crazy outdoorsman. Yeah, knows what absolutely. he's doing. Yeah, absolutely nuts. I mean, yeah, definitely knows what he's doing. But to your point, if it was the Oilers mascot, like that guy is dusted. Oh yeah, he's so dead. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me. I don't know if you remember that uh, <laughs> that um, that Super Bowl ad for salmon. Like I don't know. It must have been at least ten years ago. Where like 
the 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 premise of the ad is like you know our salmon is so fresh our fishermen you know catch it daily and mm. you see this guy kind of like goes to this creek where there's a bear fishing and the yeah. bear's got the fish in its mouth and he starts doing karate with the bear and then the bear starts doing like a foot shuffle and then yeah. the fisherman's like hey look at that and he points at the sky and the bear looks up and then he kicks the bear in the nuts and runs away you know it's like <laughs> it'd be that level of fight with the mascot from the orders <laughs> Maybe do this for an NHL promotional video. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It seems like something stupid that uh, some content creators in the NHL might, uh, might eat <laughs> up. up yeah. yeah, no, not to name any names here. We don't want to piss anyone off in the podcast community. Steve Simmons. I mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, dude, actually, one other thing I want to, to to relate. Mm-hmm. I did, like, one of the weirdest, stupidest things, I think, of all time this week. You ever, while you were bored at school, you ever, um, that game online called, like, the urinal game where it gives you all these scenarios of, like, urinals and you have to pick the correct one or else, you know, you're, you're like, a weirdo. So it's, like, if there's three empty urinals and you take the one in the middle, it's, like, ah, wrong, you're a weirdo. And if you take either one to the outside, it's, like, okay, that's right. Like, that's the social norm. You have no idea. What I've never heard of this. No. Yeah. Okay. It's like a game we played in school, like a yeah. like a like a like an online game. Basically, like you you, you know the rules. Like yeah. if there's three urinals, you take the one on the outside. You know, yeah. like just like you don't want to be you know pissing in the urinal next to someone. No. Okay. So I'm at work last week, and like as I'm I'm leaving at five o'clock, I have to take a piss. So I go to the bathroom, and um, <laughs> I just absentmindedly I use the middle urinal. Uh, it's like five o'clock. I'm gonna be quick. And I hear it's like one of those bathrooms with two doors. Yeah. And midstream, I hear someone open the first door. And in my like infinite wisdom, I stop the pee like midstream and <laughs> hop into the urinal to the right. <laughs> Except I didn't realize I forgot that they were automatic sensors. So I didn't I didn't turn around to see who it was. But yeah. as I hop to the right, this guy like goes into one of the stalls and. <laughs> the, the urinal in the middle starts going off yeah. because I was in the middle of it and, then, and I just kind of like to like diffuse the tense like oh that's weird <laughs> <laughs> good save <laughs> just such a good save I don't, I, I'm assuming you've never done anything that stupid I just I don't know what possessed me to do that but like for some reason just like the social norm of like peeing in the middle urinal like just felt so serious that I hopped to the other urinal midstream that's like was that like no dividers. I'm assuming. No, no. Obviously, obviously not. dividers are like game changer. It like doesn't really matter if there's there's dividers. No, but yeah. Still, man, honestly, it's it's less about like the like potential of someone seeing my ding dong and more <laughs> like just like just the, I don't know like the social awkwardness of pissing next to another man. You know. Yeah. Uh, like not even another man like you know if you're if you're in, if you're like on a camping trip and you're pissing in the woods with your friends like that's all the, the, that's not a, a stranger penis I'm peeing next to it's like what if it's a, like the what if a mountain lion attacks the woods then I would definitely hop urinals no question about it there you go okay well yeah you, you heard it here folks don't do all the smashing with the rock and, and strangling with your arms and legs stuff if a mountain lion attacks you in Colorado just change stalls Bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>